Stock Dads are back for season two of their hit podcast, Stocks and Sandals. Following two best buds and former college roommates on their journey to build generational wealth. So tuck in your t-shirt, put your Crocs in sport mode, and let's grill up some profits. Here are your hosts, DJ Brown and Mike Zabala. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Stocks and Sandals podcast. This is your host, Mike Sabala, and I am joined by DJ Brown. And DJ, I feel like I'm rusty from interviewing because like, we keep having technical issues. So, Yeah, I was going to rip on you really, really hard for your technical difficulties until I had the same exact issues uh-huh. myself five <laughs> seconds ago. So, And yeah, no, we have Scott Allen Turner with us today, who is a certified financial planner, and even he couldn't figure out his technological (laughs) stuff this morning. So we're all good. We're in good hands. Thank goodness we have Chris, our podcast guru in the background here doing all of our technical stuff because you and I'd be completely lost. Yeah, we're at least not giving talk or giving advice or talking about technical stuff. Right, right. Yeah. It's best if we don't give advice about anything. That's true. (laughs) That's why we bring the pros on to give their advice because anybody listening to us should just stop. We are simply a medium. Okay, so yeah, super excited to have Scott with us today. Like I mentioned briefly, Scott's a certified financial planner. He believes heavily in being a financial rock star, which is fitting because right now he's rocking a Motley Crue t-shirt. Love it. If you guys aren't watching us and just listening, he looks the part. So Scott, would you uh, just take a minute or two to introduce yourself to our listeners, tell people who you are, what you do, where they can find you? Sure. Thanks, Mike and DJ. Glad to be here. So Scott Allen Turner, certified financial planner, call myself a former money moron. I came out of college, had typical college student graduate, student loan debt, credit card debt, too much car, then more too much car, too much house. And so it was a bad financial situation. Got some advice, turned my life around, became financially independent at age 35. And then a few years ago, I started the Financial Rockstar podcast, wrote a bestseller on beginning investing called 99 Minute Millionaire. Had a couple kids in there as well. So my twins are now eight years old. And when they were through, I wrote a children's book for them called Money A to Z. It's like ABC book, beginning financial terms for really young kids. And I've had a great joy in doing what I'm doing, helping people out, whatever their situation happens to be, learning about budgeting, getting out of debt, beginning investing, and being their coach and guide along the way to financial freedom. That's awesome. So when you guys grow tired of listening to Mike and I being dumb all the time, go listen to somebody who actually knows what he's talking about. <laughs> listen to the Financial Rockstar podcast. So most of the time, um, I talk about caps or Star Trek or so. But uh, hey, there you go. Okay, occasionally, you might learn something. <laughs> whatever works. We always just tell dirty dad jokes. So you know, <laughs> everything gets done in its own time. So speaking of which, I liked it when we did the dad jokes at the beginning of the episode the last time we did them. So let's kick that, kick this bad boy off with that. A little icebreaker. Kind of see, we got Mike's already prefaced that his is going to be dirty today. So, of course, as it It usually is. is. So, I I yeah, I found myself either finding like really dirty jokes or just like not very funny ones. Yeah, your Uh, mind just only thinks dirty jokes are funny. That's the problem. That could be true. Yeah, it's it's you and your (laughs) level of sense of humor is just classless, but it's okay. I like them too. So, (laughs) Scott, we apologize in advance if you have, you know, more, let's say, reserved listeners on your podcast that may find us here we are (laughs) no we're not gonna i'm sure mike's gonna blow this door wide open here and i'll just follow suit because if we're gonna do them we might as well do them right so go ahead mike all right 
What do women say to men with big dicks? Oh, gosh. I wouldn't know. Well, that's the joke. <laughs> ah, that's hilarious. Uh, see? You stole the punchline. Hey, it's all I right. am the punchline. I am the punchline. <laughs> Scott, do you have any dad jokes uh, that you want to share with us? I do. I'm not sure if it's been used on your previous episode. So Why haven't you listened to every episode to find th- out? That's a lot of content. That's a lot of content. I <laughs> yeah, tend right. to goof off a lot, so I don't know. <laughs> not a ton of free time. So 100 years ago, everyone owned a horse and only the rich had cars. Today, everyone has cars and only the rich have horses. Oh, how the stables have turned. Ah, there you go. <laughs> That's how a, they have turned. Ah, the turntables. Okay. <laughs> so since Mike already went the dirty route, I'll go the dirty route too. So I have a lot of really good ones. All right, let's go with this one. <laughs> okay. Why does Dr. Pepper come in a bottle? Ooh, said the C word. <laughs> because his uh, wife passed away. Wait, say it again. <laughs> <laughs> Why does Dr. Pepper come in a bottle? Because his wife passed away. Wow. <laughs> that, that is it's graphic. Dirty. It is. <laughs> Sorry, you went with the, um, You started this off. Yeah. I wasn't going to go that direction, but hey, you did it. I guess so. <laughs> I apologize to all of our listeners. Yeah, well, I tried. Sorry. But hey, yeah. you know, this is what it is. All right. Well, ice has been broken. Yeah. Let's jump right into this bad boy. Okay, Scott, financial rock star. Tell us what it means to be a financial rock star. Tell us your story. How did you get started down this path? You mentioned being a former money moron. Let's start there. Okay, sure. So I help people live like financial rock stars, and that's basically living life on your own terms. And that's what everybody has to have some deep conversations or introspection and see what that means for them. And it can progress over time as well. Clearly, everybody who's coming out of college, and I was this way as well in high school, hey, I want to earn money. I just want to have a bunch of money and cool cars and cool stuff. That's fairly normal. Everybody can relate to that. And then as time goes by, People learn, all right, maybe there's a little bit more to life than just having a bunch of cool stuff. Maybe I might want to save for the future or do some traveling or make a difference. Uh, as one of my business mentors say, you achieve a certain amount of success in your life. And it's like, all right, uh, like what's next? And he's got a cool story. He sold a business in his early 20s, didn't have to work for the rest of his life. And then he found himself every day out on the golf course in fishing with a bunch of guys who were like 65 and he did that for like a year and he was like totally miserable. It's like, that's it. <laughs> it's like, am I going to spend the next 50 years with the, all these guys are going to be kicking off uh, periodically. And so he started another business and it, it's kind of like that. It takes time to develop this mentality and really figure out well, what is important to you, what matters to me, what I want to do with the rest of my life. So I, I help people try to figure that out and money's just a tool to get there. And for some people, they get it really quick. For some people, it takes more and more time. If per, People that are in a relationship, you can have one person that gets in, another person they sometimes are dragging along, kicking and screaming. It's like, no, I want to buy stuff. I want the purse or I want the car. I want this thing over here. And it takes some more time to get there. But eventually, uh, people end up getting there and figure out, all right, you know, there's this other thing out here. It's almost like when, since this has been going around recently with SpaceX and Blue Origin, you get these people going into space and we can only imagine it because we haven't been there yet. But then those guys get up there and they come back here. It's the most amazing thing ever. We can only dream. But then you get there and you're like, oh, this really is cool. Yeah, I mean, I think that's something everybody can relate to. And it's just part of almost like the maturing process, really, you know. 
but what are some steps like people can take to work towards financial independence sooner or, you know, start to mature and desire maybe like financial freedom instead of like a Lamborghini or something like that? Like, what's that look like, you know, for somebody straight out of college, you know, still in the money moron kind of phase, you know, what's that look like? And the Lamborghinis are super cool. So there's no judgment there (laughs) for somebody who wants one of those things. (laughs) It really is. Just, it's, it's time to figure out what matters. Some people that take a year off in every store is about people who do this and that travel the world and you quote unquote find yourself. Other people, they get involved in a hobby or a cause and it's like, all right, this is what is important to me. Another person might find a relationship. A lot of people, since we're on the dad show, you have kids and then it's like, okay, and me and my wife, we've been married 16 years and we had our kids are eight now. So we had a lot of fun early on in marriage. And it's like, all right, we've traveled the world. We've done this. We've done that. We spent a bunch of money. We had a bunch of cool toys. So we've had this really nice place to live. Now what? Okay, let's have some kids and then let's help them out and give kids a better life. Like you said, it's a progression and it's different for everybody. So where does somebody start just thinking, asking questions? And it's not instantaneous. If it takes five years to figure out, it takes five years. If it takes five months or 15 years, it is what it is. You know, I've seen a lot of this lately and as people, you know, this back and forth between like people who are arguing like live in the moment, live now because tomorrow's not promised, you know, like enjoy yourself, have fun while you can because like tomorrow you could be in a grave, you know, or whatever and you can't take things with you. But then there are people who do that and then their entire futures are compromised because they are living in the moment and they're not preparing. So Mm -hmm. I guess everybody's going to have a differing opinion on that and I think, you know, that's okay. And that's great. But give us your, as a certified financial planner, right? So planner is in the name. So you obviously want to make sure that you are planning for the future. And I think as dads, most of us want to make sure that our children are, you know, taken care of as well. But for those people, what would you say, you know, about like, do you have to just save everything, not have any fun, not enjoy yourself? Or how do you find that balance? Yeah, that's a miserable existence. And there are some financial pirates out there, we'll call them, <laughs> that teach that mentality. Hey, you know, you should be Mr. or Mrs. or Miss Frugalista. You have no fun. Say somebody's got $100,000 in student loans. You should live on peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for the next five years. Never eat out, drive a $500 or $5,000 car. And then you can have some fun. And that's, well, you just wasted five years of life. And like you said, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. So as financial planners, we help people. You've got to hope for the best, but you also got to prepare for the worst. You might die tomorrow, but you also might die 60 years from now. And it's worse 60 years from now living a life of being broke, destitute, and relying on other people when you had this other lifestyle because you spent so much money and time and effort early on having a grand old time. So you do have to have some balance in there. Great starting point is save what you can. If that's 1%, if $1 out of every $100 that someone makes, that's something. And if you can't do that yet, well, do you do it when you can? Because we can all only do the best that we can. So start saving something, ramp it up to something that is a reasonable. I teach people like 15, 20%, that amount of money over an extended period of time with compounding. You can have a pretty comfortable future in retirement later on with that amount of money. Uh, You can also have have kick butt present with that amount of money. You can still travel, have fun. And really it comes down to being mindful of where the money is going. 
As you're saying that, it almost kind of makes me think of people like trying to get in shape because, you know, they'll focus on their diet and they'll eat super clean for like three days or the week. And then they'll like binge really hard on the weekend. And it's just like having a balance kind of, you know, instead of eating, you know, have a cheat meal like every once in a while type of thing. Are you trying to give me any sort of subliminal messaging right now? You're trying to tell me to... TJ, you, I think you, you I think you life coaching me? how you are, man. You life yeah. coaching me? No, all not right. at all. <laughs> I got you. I got you. <laughs> I love it. So something that DJ and I have heard kind of time and time again, like on these shows and everything is that people just don't learn about like finances or money or like really how to form a plan like in school or college or anything. You know, DJ and I are kind of on a path ourselves of learning all this stuff. And I think that we are maybe uniquely situated now to have resources to learn about, you know, finance and stuff easier. I think one of the challenges with learning about finance and stuff like that is it's just so overwhelming for people. Like they don't know where to start. So do you have thoughts on like just where someone can start to kind of get their feet under them financially or start to form a plan of how they want to tackle finances or, you know, any wisdom on that. So here's what's worked for me and many of my listeners and the people that I've coached and plan to work with over the years. When I came out of my money moron days, and first I'll say this, and everyone listening will appreciate that budgeting sucks. <laughs> nobody <laughs> wants to do a budget and just like nobody wants to count macros or how many grams of fat I ate today when I drove by that Krispy Kreme hot donuts now. It's like, <laughs> all right, yeah, that was 118 grams of fat. Yeah. No, like we don't want to do that. It's stupid and it's annoying and it's very restricting. For me, like I didn't have any of this knowledge either when I started doing this, but all I started doing was I would read statements, my bank statements and credit card statements, and I'd just throw them in this piece of software and just look at it. And just doing that, which is really quite simple, it's not even a budget, it's just what's coming in and what am I spending it on? And then just kind of glazing over it occasionally and saying, is this really what I want to be spending my money on? Hmm. Looking at, so here's an example. One of the people I'm coaching now, they spend a lot of money on eating out and we just started having conversation. You got these other things that you want to do. Do you really want to spend this much money on eating out or are these other things more important to you? It's not a budget. It's just we're tracking where the money's coming in and where it's going. And they said this other stuff is more important to them. It's they want to get to financial freedom, financial security with their kids and just sleeping better at night. So, so, all right, what if you do this thing over here? What if you eat out a little bit less? What would it look like then? That would get to your goal faster. So just that that's really simple. It's not a budget. It's not restricting. It's a mental awareness exercise, which most people, we just spend money, everything that comes in. We don't know where it goes. And it's mindless spending. So if we can get to a place of mindfulness without going all Zen or anything like that, <laughs> just get an app out there. Mint.com is free see where it's coming in and then just make a decision. Okay, I spend too much money on eating out or I spend way too much money on snacks. Those, these particular people, they spend a lot of money on convenience stores on the way to and from work. I mean, it was a lot. <laughs> so <laughs> we kind of helped them rein that in and they can direct that money to more important stuff. So that's a great first and easy starting point for anyone without doing the budgeting thing. Sure. That's very convicting for me. So kind of a funny, embarrassing story, I guess. So I eat out like a lot, like I get fast food like three to four times a day, like every day and just got a credit card not too long ago, my first credit card ever. And so like 
before I was just paying out of my checking account, I wasn't tracking it really. But now that it's going on my credit card balance, I'm like, holy crap, I'm spending a lot on fast food. So just Hilarious being able to story. see it. Yeah, thanks, man. So funny. <laughs> but, but just being able to see it like is more impactful. It is. Yeah, mm-hmm. I understand the same sentiment. It's like when I have cash, it feels like monopoly money. Like it's not real to me. I can just spend it on whatever. When I have it even come spend it on the debit card, it just doesn't feel real. You know what I mean? And so until you sit down and you take a look at it and you understand where every dollar goes, you know, is when you start to be like, wow, okay, mm-hmm. that's not okay. <laughs> so let's talk about, you know, you find yourself in debt. There's basically the debt avalanche or the debt snowball or whatever, you know, just a real quick rundown for our listeners who may not know debt snowball and correct me if I'm wrong, Scott, when explaining these, but basically debt snowball is when you pay off your smallest amount of debt first, and then you take that money that you're putting towards that and you put it towards your next smallest debt based on, you know, like just total dollar amount. Mm-hmm. And then the debt avalanche would be the same thing, but you pay off the highest interest rate first and then take that money and put it towards the next highest interest rate and so on and so forth. Right. Which one of those, if either, do you prefer? Do you use? Do you use something totally different? What's your debt reduction type strategies look like? My recommendation is people is you're going to do the one that you're going to follow. <laughs> it doesn't matter what it is. Some people, I'm going to do keto. I want to do paleo or I want to do South Peach or I want to jog five miles a day or I just want to do the Peloton or whatever the thing is. You do the one that you're going to stick with over a long period of time because that's how you're going to get results. I know so many people who have gone through the debt snowball. It's like I did this and then it didn't work and then I tried it again and I'm on try three here. I really need some help. And then same thing with the debt avalanche. Well, I started it. And now uh, that was two years ago. I really want to get back onto this to try to get out of debt again this time. It's got to be simple. It's got to be not too restricting. And it's got to fit a person's or a couple's personality and their other psychology. Yeah. Yeah. I think like you're right. Because I think the avalanche like mathematically is better for long term, the amount of savings that you get from it, I think. But psychologically, a lot of people have a much easier time with the snowball because you start to see those little wins early mm-hmm. on. So, yeah, it's, it's great yeah. to get a good win. It's also helpful to use one of those. I don't know any off the top of my head, but there's some free online calculators. You plug in the stuff and it'll tell you one versus the other. Because I've seen and I've done comparisons for clients in the past where the avalanche made more sense and it got them out of debt a lot faster, even though it was kind of looked like the debt snowball. It was a weird situation. <laughs> Basically, they were going to end up paying thousands of dollars or more money. It's like, no, you need to go do this one right here. It makes much more sense for you. Right. I think that adds legitimacy to you as a professional to think of it as an individual thing. I think what a lot of people, you know, these gurus and stuff out there as they try and make these blanket statements about like, this is what everybody needs to do. And it's different for everybody. And I think that that's something that we've learned through this process, Mike, is and with with investing, with trading, whether, you know, with the stock market, with crypto, with real estate, with starting your own business, you know, like everybody's journey and path is a little bit different. So whether you start by investing and paying yourself first, and that's another one of those like catchy 
you know, terms is pay yourself first, right? Before paying off debt. And that's another one of those, like, should you do that and start investing before all your debt's gone? All that stuff. Basically, the real answer to this entire podcast and everything that we've learned, Mike, is that the answer is always, it depends. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's the one thing I've learned through all this is that there is no right answer for everybody. So I think that's good. Yeah. So DJ mentioned something there that kind of like sparked something for me. And it's something I've noticed working in like a couple different industries. And I've seen it's where like kind of old school trends or old school schools of thoughts kind of outlive their welcome. I mean, specifically for me, I'm thinking of like when I worked in insurance, my manager was really all about like cold calling and stuff like that. And I feel like that is kind of like a dying form of reaching people. Are there any of those in the financial industry like you can call out like any just old school financial advice that you think isn't applicable anymore or something like that? Wow. Where would we even begin? (laughs) About a day. (laughs) A lot of it is old school advice where let's see what's a good example. Well, you've heard this one. Let's say 15% of our income. I mean, we were talking about saving earlier. I could say save 20% of our income. Someone else could say, well, save 10% of your income. And then the highly leveraged crowd out there, some of the financial pirates there would say, you should save 0%. You should take all that money and put it into real estate. (laughs) And that's how you're going to build wealth. So there's across the board, and here's the deal about a lot of people in the financial industry is they don't make money. They can't afford their vacations or their retirements or their dreams without selling you on their ideas and making people buy into them. I mean, that's how they get paid across the board. And for somebody like me, I've been doing this since 2014. I didn't have any skin in the game to begin with because I already made money in other businesses. Like, I just want to keep people from making my money more on mistakes. If I can do that, I've already had success. Now I can have some significance and help people avoid these things and a lot of this bad information out there. So that would be one, like you should save X amount of money. What's another good example? Debt is dumb, probably before. Debt isn't dumb, being dumb is dumb, (laughs) is what I like to say. And we talked about the two different debt pay down strategies, the snowball versus the avalanche, which is better. Thou shalt do this or thou shalt do that. There's a lot of the thou shalts out there. You should do the one that you're gonna follow and that makes the most sense to you and that you can reach your goals as quickly as possible doing it that way. So you just alluded to it and it's something that just has always kind of interested me and stuff. Can you talk about some examples? And again, it's going to be different for everybody of what's good debt versus bad debt. But can you give me some examples of some good types of debt for some people? Sure. We'll talk about student loans and getting a college degree because a lot of the dads are going to have kids on here. College scorecard dot gov maybe there's a website out there it aggregates data from all the universities the degrees and how much the degrees cost and then the starting salaries that someone gets after they graduate from that school with that degree and then it gives a relative amount of time that it takes to pay off the debts and actually start making money which is great because usc just in the news i think it was this week on the wall street journal a bunch of kids that sold on a bill of goods of some crazy degree at usc and then with hundreds of thousands of dollars of student loan debt, making an absurdly low amount of money. And they were just probably going to be paying off these loans for 20 or 30 years. So to get the $150,000 degree at the Ivy League school for underwater basket weaving or whatever it is, I mean, you just plug in the numbers and say, okay, is that a good idea? 
Probably not. Why don't we go to community college instead for a couple of years or a cheaper school and then transfer to someplace? So that type of thinking puts real dollars to somebody's goals and dreams and desires and gives something for parents to talk about with their kids. That's interesting. I know this episode's kind of been all over the place. So I have one more question and it hasn't been like, I guess, a real singular topic. We've just talked about all things financial rock star, right? But you mentioned earlier your book that you wrote for your children and it was Money A to Z. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. So can you just talk briefly about that book, kind of about your techniques and your strategy for teaching finances to children? And we've talked about this on other episodes and stuff, but I feel like we can't talk about it enough, especially on this podcast. So just give us a brief rundown of that. Sure. The Money A to Z book, I wrote that when my kids were three. I was reading them pretty much every night, children's books. And they had this cool book called Apples A to Z. It was everything about apples. It wasn't really a story. It was just like, O is for orchard and Y is for yield. It's like, what three-year-old needs to know what a yield is? (laughs) And I just had this enlightening thing from God or whoever from above. I'm being the personal finance guy. How am I going to teach my kids about money? Oh, I know. I should write a children's book. That made no sense, but I decided to pursue it anyways. So we got the alphabet book for them and they loved it. And that turned into a course as well. So what we started doing, my wife and I, when they were about four or five, they got paid to do their five chores a day. We gave them five things. They get a quarter each day. We call it quarter club. And they get excited to us. Simple things for a three, four-year-old. Clean your room, pick up your toys, be kind to your brother slash sister because I've got twins. (laughs) So (laughs) got to be nice. (laughs) And then we paid them a quarter every day and they got excited about it and they learned how to save money. And then they learned how to buy things as well. We're probably, I wouldn't call us mean parents, but when we go out to places, it's like, oh, you want that? You got money. You buy that. You want that toy? Okay. You've got your money. You buy that. So our kids have not really a ton of toys. <laughs> We've been the mean parents in that way. They have to earn their money in order to do those things. And my daughter's all into it. It's like, I want to save. Tell me about investing. She's reading my investing book. And she has a keen interest to it at eight years old. We've had the stand on the corner where they sell stuff to people so they can see the transactions. When we go to the stores, like here, the credit card, you swipe it and it's like, give me the receipt so I can see what's going on. And it's just every opportunity to teach a kid about money and let them handle it and see how it goes in the finances of a household. They're going to be a thousand times better than most kids out there because most people are relying on the schools to teach them everything about money and schools, they're not getting the job done. I mean, they didn't for you and I, they're not for the next generations either. If you want to raise money, smart kids, always talk to them about money, whether it's hard or not. Yeah. I think that there's a trend to our guests about being what you called mean parents, which I don't think is the case, but the ones that are doing a great job of teaching their kids about money, they force them to understand it by, you know, making them buy their own things, making them save and stuff like that, because it's not really doing this is something that I'm learning and is convicting for me and I still suck at it. But you're doing a disservice to your children by just spoiling them with everything without working for buying it or understanding why. Every parent has the same goal. We want our kids to have a better life than we did. I came from small town, nothing. My parents never owned a home. We lived in the second story of a house that they rented forever. I had a fine life. I didn't know any different at the time. Not many kids. Oh, there's no wealthy kids in our high school or town. And my kids and my parent or wife was kind of raised the same way. So we're not the parents who, oh, you're 16. Here's your brand new BMW. Oh, no. <laughs> but we're more than happy to give them all kinds of experiences. So we travel a bunch. Like, you can do this. You can swim with the dolphins. Some people like to do that. My wife wanted to. It's like, 
yeah, it's a fish, whatever. But they've, <laughs> they've done that stuff, but they don't have a lot of material things. And I think that right. is better for kids. They get to experience the world, different cultures and all kinds of different things that they wouldn't otherwise. Yeah, it's interesting because so we did an episode about talking to your kids about finances not too long ago. And you're saying essentially the exact same thing our guest mm-hmm. talked about then, which I yeah. think is really interesting. You know, you said you give your kids like an allowance of sorts. With that, do you kind of talk to them about budgeting and stuff like that? Or do you just kind of let them go as they have their allowance and they can kind of do whatever with it? Or, you know, what's that kind of look like for you? We don't go to the stores a whole lot. So now they're used to shopping on Amazon. But my daughter is of the mindset she's going to save up a large quantity of money and then she just got a, a Lego set. I think last week she was very excited about it. And then my son, the same thing. He's big into Nerf guns. So it's more about you have control of your money and you can spend it as you want. But if you blow it all, that's that. And they've learned that over the years. I can't spend it all, otherwise I'm not going to have enough money for this next thing. So we're not really to the point where we're talking about budgeting yet. For them, we do talk about it as parents. Like, well, you know, we have a limited amount of income here or a limited amount of money. So we can't do everything when we're on this trip or want to buy that thing. And they understand that because we've been talking about it for so many years with them. So they benefit from those conversations around the kitchen table. I do have one more question kind of around like debt and budgeting to jump back to really quick. So say someone does come out of college or whatever with a lot of debt, like more than they can quickly pay off with their income. How do you go about making room in your budget to include things that you still want without dedicating all of your money to paying off that debt? There's a lot of great calculators and programs and services out there that can take someone's college debts and not it was all good government programs is what I was also wanted to get at. Like IBR, income-based repayment, there's pay and repay. These are acronyms that the government has, which the repayment schedule is based on someone's income. So even with mass quantities of debt for at least federal loans, there's opportunities to pay less early on. Yeah, the interest is going to accumulate in some cases, but that it gives someone more buffer to live, have fun, maybe participate in an employer 401k plan if they might have that available or they might not otherwise, rather than just, all right, every last dollar for the next 15 and a half years because I got a bad degree. And (laughs) whatever the reason, a guy who I used to know, he went to school for a year and it was a very expensive school. And then he dropped out because he realized college wasn't for him. Well, he's still got to pay back those student loans. I mean, what do you do in that case where you, you don't have the degree that's paying more money, but you still have the debt to pay off. And so those type of programs and situations allow somebody to, again, get back to what is right for you? What is reasonable? How do you want to live? How quickly do you want to get these things paid off? For somebody who's like my friend is an optometrist, you know, a doctor is going to pay back student loans for 20 or 30 years. Does it make sense for them to live in a hobbit hole (laughs) and drive a $500 car for the first 15 years of their career just to get that money paid off quicker? Probably not. I would argue against that. It's not really a way to live, but some people might choose to. This has been really helpful, man. Very much appreciate all the knowledge and the wisdom that you're sharing with us and just tons to soak up, a lot of convicting stuff to think about. But as always, we've learned a lot from you. So before we wrap it up, take a minute to tell people where they can find you, talk about what you offer, mention that book and website again, all that kind of stuff. Let people know where they can find you. Sure thing. My website, scottallenturner.com, A-L-A-N. 
Yeah, alien. <laughs> so my middle name is Smell. <laughs> oh, it's the Financial Rockstar Podcast. I've been doing it for seven years now. It comes out every week where I answer a listener question. So if anybody gives a question on any of this content or anything that we may have not talked about today, I'm more than happy to answer those. And that's at getfr.com is my show. Money A to Z is my children's book and 99 Minute Millionaire is my beginner investing book. Both of those are on Amazon. And Instagram is probably where I hang out the most at Scott Allen Turner on Instagram. Awesome. Very cool, man. We appreciate you. You know, as always, we appreciate all of our listeners. If you guys aren't already part of the Stock Dads community, make sure you join us on Facebook, Instagram, Discord, all that kind of stuff. Stockdads.com as well. But we appreciate you, man. Maybe we'll have you back on sometime and learn more from you. Sweet. Thanks, DJ. Thanks, Mike. Yeah. Awesome, guys. Thank you. All right. We're out. Thank you for listening to the Stocks and Sandals podcast. Make sure to subscribe for future episodes. Leave a five-star review and join our premium community on Discord at stockdads.com slash plans. You can also follow us on all major social media platforms. But most importantly, stay off the grass.